The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and my guests are Be Inspired founders Stephen Robb and Mark Corcoran. Stephen and Mark were professional footballers in Scotland before setting up clothing company Be Inspired, which started out as selling some t-shirts online before eventually becoming an international best-selling brand. We talk about life after football and the instability that faces players as they move into the next phase of their lives, how they started and grew the brand from early beginnings to Lionel Messi being photographed in their gear, and we reflect on the scale of their achievements, the lessons they learned for football, and what lies ahead in their next chapters. And as always, there's plenty more. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly payments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash leathered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher, where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't forget about debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland, helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoy this episode, share it, because it's a great help. Cheers. Welsh international and former St Mirren player Andy Dorman's girlfriend moves for America to Glasgow. And that kickstarts a chain of events that's culminated in two Scottish guys cultivating a wildly successful clothing brand worn by the likes of genuine global super- superstars like Leo Messi and Luis Suarez. Does that broadly cover it? Mm, probably. probably loosely, but I, I loosely, but yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think Dorman got enough credit where it was due, so I wouldn't have He was wanting in on it. That's, that's the difference. He he wanted in on it originally, but then he's kind of been left out because he moved back to America. Aye. Don't worry, I'm not accrediting him as a, a founding pillar, but it's <laughs> funny how something, something so innocuous like that can then set things off. So we'll go back to the start then. Now, every great journey starts with the seed of an idea, right? So what do the words coffee club take you back to? <laughs> Marks uh, and Spencers. Aye, uh, Marks and Spencer, I am Costa at uh, Brayhead. There's... Uh, we were in Brayhead a lot, uh, That's kind of where was... we went, because it was where... Were you at Patrick Thistle at the time? No, uh, yeah, I must have been. Yeah, I did sign for Patrick Thistle. I was at, I was at St Myrna, so then after training, it would just be like, Cokes, what are you up to? Oh, I'm just finished. I was the outside, eh? You, you, Mark Ian, Howard, Ian McCall's, doing my head, Ian McCall's doing my head and I need a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so you would meet up there and because the way I've got it anyway, you're kind of, you're playing football, you're kind of playing mid-level um, and you've got one eye or both eyes on the future. I'd, I'd definitely say what I wouldn't say both eyes I would say like, this was a wee bit before we started yeah. being this was maybe like three or four years before we started maybe yeah, three, not that three, three years, years anyway, before three we started years. being inspired there was like I say there was Robbo had signed for St Moran and I'd left and um, obviously we'd had mutual friends and mm-hmm. we'd always just get together because like, like football is a short career and we'd be like oh what could we do after what can we do after it, it, it probably didn't we didn't meet to discuss that it was just we all, that's just yeah. sort of something was, we talked about our social life it was mm-hmm. either a lot of boys would be like oh let's go to the bookies or some boys would go to the gym yeah. it's like we'd oh come on we fancy a coffee coffee and cake you burn off that many calories <laughs> in the yeah. morning so it was a case of let's go and get well, waste some time, yeah. That was kind of what it came down to. What, what does it feel like to be playing football at that level? Because the perception is always, you play football, you're rich, but the reality is it, is, it can be quite a precarious position to be in. Like, well, obviously, like, I enjoyed it. You enjoyed, mm. like, like, mate, don't, I I was lucky. Well, I felt I was lucky. Probably no luckier than any other footballer, but I worked in an office till I was, like, 22, do you know what I mean? 23, mm. 24, actually. Um, I'd gone through the junior route, Signed for Hamilton, part-time, working for Scottish Widows, done some terrible jobs, mate, oh, do you know what I mean? Been, yeah. uh, bricky, working in Tesco's, honestly, terrible jobs. And uh, signed for Hamilton, done well with Hamilton, got an opportunity to go full-time with St Mirren. Uh, for the first month from that, like, I was just laughing. Mate. I was like, what? I can't believe I'm getting paid to train mm. every day. I was just like, what? This is mental. Did it, did it make you work harder because you had that experience of... <sighs> Probably not, mate. See, probably see not. looking back, you probably always think because I think it's always in hindsight you can look back on your career and say, oh, I wish I'd done this, and I wish I'd done that, mm. and I wish. 
like even in business now we probably look back I wish we'd done this I wish we'd done that but it's, you can't you can't change those things no. like no. it's just kind of part of the journey sort of thing I wouldn't it? change what's happened through my life like to get to where I am now yeah. do you know what I mean I, I don't look back with regrets yeah I could have done so many things different do you mm -hmm. know what I mean but I probably worked harder in business than I did in football because I missed opportunities do you know what I mean mm -hmm. so it's kind of made you more um, more determined obviously like everybody's different and stuff and I'm no planting you two as an absolute authority and how everybody is but just in general how is it do you think for footballers like not making tens of thousands a week when you kind of start to come to the end of your career to, to kind of maybe worry a wee bit about where am I going to go I think I think uh, it's definitely at the forefront of a lot of players minds mm. to be honest see if you're like you said mid-level SPL player championship player in Scotland even league one league two in England it's like where, where do they go next? There's only so many coaching jobs available. There's, there's, and then the day, there's only so many jobs on the street. And then mm -hmm. you're coming to your 30, early 30s and you're, you've not really got a, a skill. What's your, your skill is basically being a footballer. Mm -hmm. So unless you have a backup plan uh, in your late 20s, so then it's like... It's definitely like, well, what am I going to do next? That, yeah. that is thought process. You don't, you, don't make, you don't make mega money. Like I said this, obviously, all along the way, but I was like a week away having to leave my, like move out my flat. Like I was never going to be homeless, mate. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I would have moved in with my stepmom or my mum or my dad or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But like I was a week away from having to give my flat up after leaving Ross County because my hip was knackered, going part-time, struggling at part-time. Mm-hmm. Given up effectively putting, putting that into context is like it's like I don't think a supporter could understand that really to say look in two weeks time I'm going to need to give up my flat people would be like yeah but you were a footballer for, for yeah. 10 years how can that how is that possible it's mm. like once that wage comes in and the you pay your bills and you don't go wrong there's certain things as a, but as a young lad who doesn't he just like yeah. a bit a over bit. like over your means a little bit I just think that's just I, at one point or another we all do that we've all done that because you're spending more or you spend I don't know you've got too much months left at the end of the money yeah, type of thing yeah. you, you spend more than you spend like if you get paid two hundred pound a week, you live on two hundred pound a week you but get four hundred pound a week you live on four hundred pound a week you yeah. get six hundred eight hundred you, you Rightly or wrongly, uh, like I look at things nowadays and they talk about business, like keep living on 200 and saving, like that's what mm. you probably should do. But as a young lad, you don't do that. Uh, you don't exactly. have that experience. And as well, if you're, if you're grafting and you are making more money, you want to enjoy that. Course, there's absolutely that's nothing wrong with that. That's what you work for, isn't it? Aye. Look, um, it's kind because see, like when fans just can't understand it, can't get it. I'm not saying I completely understand, but for the most part I do. So like say when, when a player takes a chance to move on, you're like, oh, you're no loyalty or your money grab, and you're like, hold on a minute. Right, let's just say you work as a lawyer and imagine somebody went, right, at 32, you can't be a lawyer anymore. You can't do anything that's related to law. You're like, well, what do you mean? And you're like, well, at 32 or 33, that's you. You need to go and find something completely different and totally retrain. Then that person will be like, all right, okay, so you're going to try and stockpile as much yeah. money as possible. Yeah, so yeah. true. And, yeah. the, and the, pro the problem is, is probably even 90% of the footballers can't even stockpile the money. Do you know what I mean? They actually literally fall from a monthly wage coming of two, 3,000 a month to then going to literally... Aye. And if your contract ends, then you're your contract's a long contract. It's not in looking, but at the time you're like, I've got two years. Mm. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next month. Mm. And then before you know it, that next month's the end of your contract. And you're like, fuck, I've got exactly. Money. Like even the the perception that people have, and everybody don't know, they view themselves in a certain way. And if you're living in a certain way, you're living a sort of luxurious lifestyle, there's also a pressure a pressure to maintain that. The way you dress, the places you go, the money you're seen to be spending in bars. And it's mm. probably then you it's very easy to be to condemn and go, oh, that's fucking stupid. And you're like, well, these people are only human and you, you kind of become a product of like your own environment and the own image you have of yourself and uh, it's no wonder like rates of fucking depression and mm -hmm. divorce comes, and all that. There comes a stage as well where it, like a lot of boys and probably even wives start compete, competing with each other. Mm -hmm. But not everybody's on the same money. Aye. Do you know like you're in the same friend circles and somebody's on 500 quid a week but somebody could be on three times as much of that because he's more valuable to the team. That's just the way it is. That's just human mm -hmm. nature. But Aye. One like, of the things as well is when you come to the end like you maybe have stockpiled money. Maybe maybe you've got like ten grand or something, fifteen grand, twenty grand. But like, still not a lot. Well, if you're out of job for like six months, mm -hmm. that money's 
gone. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and like you say, you're changing your whole career. So unless you've put fundamentally uh, things in place to to know what you're doing next, then that money's going to dwindle around down quickly. And, mm-hmm. and 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 luckily, I managed to get a job. And and if we'd put be inspired in place earlier. It might not have worked. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because it, it came to the stage where it's like we need this to work. So it's like, <laughs> it, it, it is like again, I'm like I said, I wouldn't change anything the way it happened. But I feel as though I got quite lucky at this at the same time. Mm. Rob, you you get the opportunity to go to Thailand and play. How did that come about? Because that's that's even now still a rarity, really. Like a sure. league like that. I, I would, I'd probably say it came down for a wee bit of my personality of being able to, being a little bit busy and just like this. <laughs> If football, it's I'm not enjoying it. And yeah. the managers come in. I enjoyed it under previous management. Danny Lennon comes in, face doesn't he fit a little bit, and mm. it's it's a case of right. I need to. I, I I'm not going to wait, and I'm going to hang about for him to tell me that I'm not getting a new contract. Mm-hmm. So being a bit proactive, it's like right, I'm going to reach out to people. Who can I reach out to that I can earn same wages I'm getting just now, and continue my, at this time I'm 28 continue my football career and because I feel I've still got something to offer mm-hmm. so because from St Mirren and you're getting released from St Mirren like where like realistically you're going to go like you're going to get Wraith Rovers Dunfermline like and I, I just feel like I, I, that doesn't that didn't motivate me mm-hmm. at, at 20, tumble, tumbling 20, down at 28 when you want like, to be at the peak do you I mean? just want yeah. and I want to make some of it myself I keep going like offer what I can so reached out to a few uh Coaches started connecting on Facebook with um, agents and stuff like that, and ended up getting chatting to an Australian coach. Again, it comes down to a wee bit of luck. I didn't connect with him, then yeah. like the, the move just doesn't happen. It's I would as simple say courage, as that. courage as well. A lot yeah. of people would have been in the same situation. You've not followed it through. Do you know what I mean? It's like I think people just wait on something happening. You've got to yeah. see half the time. You hate make it happen. You so need if to you just go. sit back and just go. Oh, 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 someone will come along. It'll no come along. Yeah. If you didn't go and grab things, then. I always say that. I always say you can't do things. You can't wait for somebody to open the door for you. You need to put it down. But also, you can't always wait for somebody to go. Here's a seat at the table. You mm-hmm. have to kind of just either build your own or pull up your own chair. I'm like, listen. Have you ever read the book uh, Atomic Habits? No, I've not. No. Excellent. Absolutely amazing. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, fuck. The, the guy's name that wrote it. Really, it's one. It's a proper bestseller. And he's all about small efforts every day how that then leads to lasting change and how you can implement new habits and something blah, blah. It's something we actually had a meeting this morning and that was one of the things that business were... Business-wise, Business-wise, that was kind of what we've been speaking about. Totally small, recommend that book, yeah. by the way. And that kind of principle you're saying about just get speaking to people or putting yourself out there and what might seem like tiny wee efforts every day, it's kind of like the whole, you know, water going through a rock. Eventually, over the course of time, it'll kind of wear it down and split it in two and it's it doesn't always have to be some groundbreaking universe shifting like interaction or incident it can just be those wee things just kind of oh, getting all those wee I'll, things I'll add use, up to that one I'll use example of being at St Mirren knowing my contract's ending but every Monday it might have been a coming on as a subby for 10 minutes or mm. 20 oh, by the way I've done a couple of, uh, some good things in that time I was on the park so it's going to the video guy on a Monday Aye. literally saying can I get the, the DVD from the uh, from the weekend Aye. and taking clips off that and basically compiling like a highlights mm-hmm. video and I'm actually sending that away to the agents and thingy because so I'm manipulating manufacturing my own transfer yeah. while I'm still playing for like Aye. I guess I was almost doing an agent's job myself as a player mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was doing was, was your club in Bangkok? yeah slap bang in the middle that must have been shit yeah mental absolutely <laughs> mental Just I, amazing unbelievable experience yeah and like Mark's obviously came over terrible place he, terrible place. <laughs> yeah but just the, the lifestyle of just getting up every morning and putting on shot. And don't get me wrong, like we trained harder than what we trained back here. Yeah. I was training double sessions every day. Get your one day off a week. Um, and people maybe think, oh, training twice a day, that must be dead tough. But, it is. Like it, physically, that uh, builds up and builds up. And then that heat and humidity that yeah, you're not sure, used to. Sure. I don't know what he's more about. I did it at Ross County and I tell you where I'd rather be doing it. Than <laughs> <what> I mean. <laughs> I saw. But no, it was just like amazing. Like, and kind of obviously led on to where we are. Yeah. What we're doing. See, now, so. see, when you got there, did it kind of, you know, like what it's like in Scotland? It's very easy for us to get sort of wrapped up. We live in a tiny wee country, but we sometimes act as if it's the be all and end all. And did you get out there and did you, did 
did it sort of consciously? Did you be like, were you like, fucking hell, like, there's an absolute whole other world of opportunities out there? I always yeah. remember you telling me a story. Like, basically, he got over there and he said he was training that and he just, you went and sat in, like, the toilet or yeah, something. It was, like, the, it was the, the second, it was the second weekend and uh, it took me ages to go for a jet lag. Mm. I because mean, I'd never probably, like, travelled, like, I, I probably, no, I'd never travelled that far. Aye. Like, at 28, I've been holidays magaloof. <laughs> it's like, Ibiza, all this sort of thing. But I never actually, like, physically went, I'm going to travel halfway across the world and mm-hmm. um, further than that. Aye. And then just getting into, getting into a routine. So I was finding myself, like, it's four o'clock in the morning in a hotel room on my own. And I was like, what's going on here? What am I doing here? Aye. And then we'd done a gym session. It was so hot. I remember it being boiling. And I actually had to just like physically take myself out the session. And I, I was sick in the toilet. <laughs> and I was hell. just like, what am I doing here? Did you like, acclimatise like, eventually though? Yeah, but it's still saying that it probably took me two, three months to get used to it. See, like when you hear people, like a good example is Tom Rogic. He'll fly, like, I'll read, I Rogic is a way to Australia to play for them. And I'm like, how the fuck, how is he doing that? Because I went to Hong Kong, I was there for six days, and the entire time I was still in UK time, and it proper messed me up as well. And I'm like, how is he? And also being a plane, and people say, oh, you're in a bed. Mm-hmm. I've managed what's with BA so I've had the opportunity to fly first class before. You, you're in a bed, but you come off it, and you're like, I honestly feel that I've had the shit kicked out of me, even though I've been lying down. It's like, he's doing that flight, he's playing a game. And then he's coming back and he's turning it on for for Celtic as well. I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah, I just yeah. the close to, like talking about dorms. He used to do that. He used to go back to America to see his missus, and then he'd fly in and he'd arrive like sun like morning, and he'd just go straight to training and he'd train <laughs> and then he'd sleep and then he said that was how he combated the jet lag because he would just come straight into training, train and then to sleep. That was just tough. Deal with it, aye. Aye. <clears throat> um, while while out in uh, in Thailand, you started making. Con, or creating contacts maybe that's your business coming to the fore that way some manufacturers wholesalers right was that intentional or was that a sort of sliding doors thing where you just happened to meet them yeah it was just I'd probably say like on my day off I used to enjoy going to like the, the stalls and the markets uh, and we, were all probably, these... we were probably still in touch at that point yeah we were, we were probably, like, what, what can we do there's got to be something in Thailand that you that's not here mm-hmm. that you can send back to me and we can sell and stuff like that I, I love like the buzz of the area like I'm I'm from like kind of the sticks living in the country <laughs> when I grew up there so it was like a small area of 2,000 2,500 people but going to Bangkok there was 2,000 people and that just that wee shopping complex do you know what Aye. I mean so it's like but I used to just love like sitting there people watch have a coffee yeah. but then like oh what's this here and like just kind of like touring about and like and then you'd find like I mean, this shopping center's got all these like guys selling all these wholesale t-shirts and like I'd relate back to Marks but we should see this he'd send them photos on the phone lucky like, uh, you, we had that Instagram was up and running at this mm-hmm. time probably Facebook so social media was like in the early stages of like we can it's easy to keep in touch with people and he like at times he probably even when we first started you almost feel like you're in the factory like because like, yeah. they're sending so many photos back and forth mm-hmm. to each other it's um when how did the idea come then with the t-shirts did you just say like we'll just buy because i've got i've got questions about the sort of birth of being inspired how you kind of got your designs and all that kind of thing but what was the initial right let's we're going to go for this with t-shirts i think it was a case of robo like basically robo was sending like from that place wholesale sort of t-shirts back and i was putting them on ebay and selling them mm-hmm. just like just like Random design, just making a few quid. Aye, just making a wee bit of a side, a wee hobby. Just a bit of a Del Boy, do you know what I mean? Just like, just a side hustle, as they say. Bring them up to, you're at Ross County at the time, you take them up, sell them to the boys, any of your mates in Edinburgh, you're like, oh, sell them on on eBay and stuff like that. And then, like, Robbo was like, how about we start a brand? And I was like, that probably came from the lad that we were buying, like, the the wholesale t-shirts from. He's like, I think you should start your own brand. And I'm like, a good one. How am I going to do that? He's like, I'll help you. Well, you're actually offering your services to me. He says, we can offer, like, we can just make 25s of each colour or design or whatever. Mm -hmm. Here's the shop around the corner. Here's the details where you buy all the, like, swing tickets and the labelling and the packaging and all that. All right, so I go and investigate that. And it was a case of, like, piecing all like these parts of the jigsaw to then create this well we've got social media now so we can get that out there as much mm-hmm. as possible and that was kind of see there was mark there was a wee bit of reluctance for you to begin with was your reluctance a sort of 
do you think that was born out of dressing room culture? Because I, I read you said, and you did say this about five years ago, that you you kind of did think there, there's a whole dressing room culture. Who the fuck does he think he is? Because you were not, slightly hesitant. Not who do you think he is, but maybe like, again, it's that thing of like, it's like worrying about what other people it? are saying. What, what, that's not going to work. What do, who do you think? Like, what do you think they're trying to do? Like, Scottish do you know thing, I mean? isn't it? Yeah, like, what are they doing? What, what are they trying that for? Like, you're selling t-shirts is one thing, but like, nobody else had done it. So I probably had in my head like, oh, do you think they'll be thinking like, oh, that's I just probably my own. It was probably my own thing rather than mm-hmm. anyone else. Just like what are people going to think about because that. I mean, up? the Scottish people are they particularly renowned for being unilaterally supportive of nah. people that are ambitious? Are they? No, no. And, and that's a fucking understatement. An, I think it's just in our DNA, isn't it? It's yeah. like, Especially when you're probably playing football as well. They're like, you should be concentrating on your football. Do you know yeah, there's you very know, much like... a lot of that. It's like you, you see on social media now, a player posts something about nothing to do with football, and the first thing they'll say, uh, you'll get comments on it. He should be concentrating on his game. Aye. What's like put this model into the side or Aye. what's he doing this for? He needs to fo- needs to put in a performance on a Saturday. It's like, man, he's got a life. I, I, was, on, I, was, like, I was on the bench enough. I didn't need any more reasons to be sat on that bench. <laughs> I, mean? I think that like that's people sort of because for example, say you had a plumber who was a really talented artist and in his spare time he liked to create art. You want to turn around and go like, you should be focusing on pipes, mate. Uh, but it's when I think sometimes when people are maybe there's a, a jealousy or suspicion of each other you're also in the public eye as well that's the thing and people like, probably feel you're privileged so like you should that's be it. everything so in your football do you know I mean? but i also think it's people trying to in a roundabout way bring you down so they kind of go i don't like you because you're a, you've got x y and z that i wish i had uh, and i just want to tell you you're an arsehole we'll we do it in we, a roundabout we way we were discussing this about lewis hamilton last week yeah like literally like there was people who said like oh, i didn't like lewis hamilton lewis hamilton why like like why don't if you, you like, like I, yeah, did, why, I did why? see one one boy i had played with and he just put out like a comment saying like oh, he's a rich prick and i was like mm, that's I, not really like a reason not to like aye. somebody age you if you mean? meet him and he's he's genuinely a bobag then fair enough i, I totally get but that. but if yeah. you've not met him I think that's just like you say. That's just sometimes that's just what people. Are I thought like, he came like last weekend with the final. I thought he came across brilliant after yeah. it. Mm. Literally just, just get knighted like, the other day. Aye, yesterday, yeah. Just like he literally, and that probably came from him went, being the best for so many years, mm. like seven world titles as it in F one, and it's literally like, well, I've done it, and I'm not yeah. going to cause a big stir when this boy's winning his first. Because mm-hmm. right, that's I think it's a British mentality in general. Oh, I think you, you, you said you noticed that in Thailand as well. You said to me like in the UK though, like say for example, like Lewis Hamilton, a big sportsman like Wayne Rooney or something. They'll build him up, build him up, build him up, build him up, and then see when he gets to the top, then they'll just look for ways to knock him. Yeah. So like the papers will be looking for anything he's done wrong and supporters. But it's like in Thailand, it was saying completely different. In Thailand, they're just they just worship, not worship, but like they think that everything's done right. There's a boy that worked for us, Mikey Barn, played football over the Robo. He, he, he came out of contract uh, and they weren't paying him so Robert this was said, in Thailand yeah. he came back right, okay. so, so, so he's, Mike was originally from Manchester right. he played for he was a young boy a young lad at Bolton uh, he played for Stockport then he moved to the conference he was I can't remember what team he was in the conference and then got an opportunity a bit like myself to mm-hmm. go and play um, in Thailand and he was the first uh, British player to go over there and play wow. so they idolised him because he looked so different than Aye. everybody else. So you can imagine, like, so uh, he was just, like I say, totally worshipped. They were like, what? And the fact that he was playing well and scoring goals just made it, like, and he was offering something different than the local players were offering. Mm-hmm. So he became this, like, proper icon, like, literally <laughs> in the so Thai cool, league. So when I went over there, like, we had a group of friends, like, uh, UK lads, and then the Brazilian lads would come and join us. They spoke really good English, a couple of Korean lads. So we had, like, in a... Like a group of group of friends that would meet on a, a Saturday or a Sunday night, depending on when our games were. And uh Mike had been there for for eight years and it came to the point where he's like, oh, I'm not getting paid for this team I'm at as a nightmare. And Mike was a probably even the mind saying that, he's like getting to that age where he's yeah. 30, 31 on the way down. And he's like, oh, I need to do something. I, I, same way we were probably at, like, I need a job, I need something. So he came back and he started literally came in and he was getting peanuts wasn't he mm-hmm. and he was work, helping us out just like on the day to day running the business packing orders answering emails mm-hmm. taking in deliveries 
uh, he wasn't involved in the, the whole design process, but he was just the day to day logistics and logistics stuff. and stuff. But he moved back, and then his wife came back with him, and ended up working in the in the business as well. So That's they were. But with the Thai thing, he's actually moved back to Thailand now to set up a soccer school because he's still seen as an icon over there. How mental is that though? That he so he could go to he land in an airport in Thailand and he'd be mobbed, but he could walk down the street in his own city and people might not really know him. I think I think that was the what people here didn't understand because like people he would be like I but like ah Thailand because he he was brass he was like he was bold and he would be like ah oh, but. Like I scored this goal against thingy, there was ten thousand people there cheering my name and that. and people were like, I good in Mike, you're just going pack your orders, mate. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, like he played for Real Madrid, but I'll, uh, say, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send him this later as well. Boy, I suppose in a sense he was. Uh, yeah. Um because see when you're in Thailand, right? Let's say the t shirts kinda of start doing better and start getting bigger. Did that expedite the process of your retirement and moving from playing into the business or was it sort of a wee bit blurry was, at that point it was a wee bit of everything to be fair i think i've said before that like the first kind of batch of t-shirts i'd sent back to to mark we'd kind of done our first of a photo shoot in thailand where a lad that it was in our our group he's a um he was half thai half welsh all right so he, unusual <laughs> yeah yeah mate so he was playing for the, the thai national team oh cool so he's from cardiff he played, <laughs> he played in the same youth team as like uh gareth bale Aye. Uh, no, he wasn't. Arm Ramsey. Arm Ramsey, the Welsh team. Uh -huh. um, so I got him to do a photo shoot. Tidy looking lad. And uh, his girlfriend was there at the time as well. So I think, I'm sure she done, remember she done a bit of modelling as well with the vests on and I stuff like so that. Um, so we, like I say, I used him and then it was just getting to say my, my son was uh, still living in Scotland. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was in Dundee. So I was just getting to say, oh, I've not seen a wee man for a while. Like I need to... I, like things with football when they're going as good as they were in the yeah. beginning again it comes down to new manager does your face fit um, mm. and then it, from there I was like I'm coming home coach I'm moving in with you and it was literally like rewinding to where we were like three four years ago before Aye. that sleeping on my floor weren't you that was it Oh, that so was that the flat in the gorbals? Aye, flat in the gorbals. Aye, aye. So that's that's then the, I suppose the next phase is the birth of be inspired. So you invest about was it about five hundred pound between you, five hundred pound each. I was. You got six hundred, three hundred quid each, wasn't it? Aye. So you had four original designs, about twenty five pieces of each. Do you think you accidentally, and and this will tie in with how you learn as you go. Do you think you accidentally created demand and scarcity? Um. Because there wasn't that many. Maybe, maybe not with those first initial yeah. designs. I think we just like got them in and sold them. Yeah. But like we probably did create demand and scarcity with other designs because because Robbo knew the guy. It was his like it wasn't even a factory, but he made t-shirts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, mm. um, he was able to make fifties for us, so you could sell out a t-shirt in like two or three days. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? And it and and we could then reinvest that in more product and have more product range, but we had real minimums all the time so mm -hmm. what stuff would sell out quite quickly and we'd get something else in and it, it was keeping it fresh and exciting initially yeah um, quite early on i think it's fair to say he's with like the original pioneers of influencer marketing <laughs> so your first sort of players but i mean don't these people need no introduction to scottish football fans Stephen naismith charlie mulgrew scott brown robert snodgrass did they get on board with sharing it and sort of cause putting it in their social media? Because I remember years back. I think, I think at that time, like, people didn't really know what Instagram or Facebook, what, like, the consequence of what it was, Aye. like, or what, like, what it was about. So Aye. people were quite happy to post something without even it was, really it thinking about it. It was through Facebook as well. It wasn't Aye, really yeah. an Instagram at that Aye. point, was it? I remember, like, even people like James McCarthy, Dylan McGeek, and then, did we get Aaron Ramsey? Uh, Jamie O'Hara or something was in it as well, I remember. Because it, yeah. it was through Mika. Yeah, it but, like, was... Um, wasn't it? It was Chris Gunter. Chris oh, Gunter. Gunter, 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 Gunter. Yeah, yeah. Gunter. But yeah, it was just years like... back. I remember seeing it everywhere. But it was one of those things. You're like, where is this? What is this? Well, was, from... See, see, I one thing more I organic thought... then as well. Yeah. Like, Facebook's changed things a lot. So like, when you post something organically back in the day, you probably got loads of reach. And then if Scott Brown or like uh, Naismith or James McCarthy was mm -hmm. posting it as well, like the reach was a lot better for for nothing. There's whereas... probably loads of mystery with it in the beginning as well yeah. because had nobody really done it. So mm -hmm. it was like, what is this? Like, I want, like, I remember one lad coming into the warehouse, like, this is still early day, days, 
and he'd like, oh, I just want to get this because like just before everybody else gets it. And that was his mentality. It was Aye. like, I just need this. It didn't even like, even if he thinks it's nice or not, it doesn't matter. He's like, no, I need this before my mates have got it. Aye, it's, like, it's funny that is the status thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, do, I do get it. I don't, I don't feel the same in the sense of I need it. Uh-huh. But when you have something, you kind of, I don't know, there is just a, a feeling of I've got this. I'm a sort of leader and mm-hmm. it kind of, we're, we're kind of touching this and it's the biggest cliche ever, but the Simon Sinek start with why thing. I think you've kind of consciously and unconsciously applied that to your sort of business model. And in reality, everybody, I don't know, people kind of want to, yeah, they want to be seen or they want to feel as if I I am, I don't know, this represents me. It's aspirate. We'll talk about that as well, about the sort of aspirational element and things. Um, you sent, we'll, we'll talk about the big influencer marketing. So you sent close to Andy Robertson, who you knew if he played at Dundee United, Robbo. Yeah, I just knew, I didn't actually, because I wasn't, me and Andy weren't at United at the same time, but be there was, again, there was like friends of friends, you know, like I Aye. was quite, still quite pally with Sean Dillon who was the captain of Dundee United when they had those young players Stuart Armstrong and mm-hmm. Andy Robertson and Ryan Golden uh, um, John Souter guys like that so it was it was easy for us to get to those guys mm-hmm. do you know so it's like oh Dillo go and can I say, oh, yeah yeah as long as I get something as long as, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like leveraging it's like, your yeah, contacts of course, isn't it? of course and that's um, one one probably advantage that we had that maybe if if a guy who's a plumber wanted to start his own brand that mm-hmm. he sends it to his plumber mates or plumbers and, and we feel privileged that we had yeah. that opportunity uh-huh. to do that yeah. do you know what I mean it's uh, so he then he got you tickets to Anfield and you met Philip Coutinho yeah, is so, that how it went so we went down went down to the game me and my missus we'd arranged tickets well Andy had arranged tickets for us and I, I was like, expecting them to be just for the and it was a Champions League game got there Went to the ticket office, opened them. Oh, there's players' lounge tickets here. Nice. So basically, went into the players' lounge, like the trays, buffet, food, drinks, free bar, whatever you want. You fell in the pockets with oh, sausage rolls, not Absolutely <laughs> magic. So, like me when I was yeah. taking the tunnocks. <laughs> so it was a case of like Coutinho, it was two weeks before he moved to Barcelona. All like, right. Oh, and like his brother was there, ended up getting chatted, and it's like, oh, can I? Being a bit brass again, and it's just like, oh, we've got a, our own clothing brand, can we send you some stuff? And he's like, yeah, so he's obviously looked up on it. He's like, oh, I like this, my style. It's At, at the, the time, the style was probably suited to that, like, Spanish market, yeah, that, um, mm-hmm. that um, international market. It was kind of the stuff they were wearing. Yeah. Even that night at the game, I was like, hey, that's that's our, like, target audience, that. Mm-hmm. So um sent some stuff to him, and then he's like, oh, I'll, I'll pass it to the guys or whatever. And Andy Robertson was actually a, a, a customer at the time. We went through the order history. And he'd been through Hull and when he was at Hull and that. And the, like, yeah, like yeah. searching Andy's name and he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm sending it to Hull. And I'm like, well, that's obviously Andy's like Aye. bought stuff previously. Um, so it just turns by chance, Coutinho moved to Barcelona two mm-hmm. weeks, two weeks after that. And then kept he... in t- I'd kept in touch through Instagram on with his brother. And then kind of one thing led on to another. Kind of spirals. Spirals from there. How, because so then it was Luis Suarez and Leo Messi that you saw, but when did you first see them wearing it and how did that feel? That must proper not like, was it not like shocking. Christmas Eve? It was like Christmas Eve, Eve I think. Brother, like, yeah. Coutinho's brother sent you a message saying, like, oh, we've got it, we've, we've got, got it. we've cracked it. We've He's kind of like, it. oh, we've got the the goats and the. Uh-huh. And <laughs> That's the hilarious, stuff. man. Yeah, so it was kind of just like a photo. I think you get time off at Christmas, different to playing in the UK where they play the full the full Christmas period. Aye. So uh, La League had finished, he jumped on his private jet way back to Argentina, had been spotted at the at the airport just um with the stewards. So it's like you get that always get we po- we post it straight away. You know, like, oh excited as we are. It's like, oh that's fake. That's photoshopped. It's all this. It's like hey, it's on Instagram. <laughs> Go it's and like, find it for yourself. Aye, so it's it's priceless marketing in it and a priceless. I think that's what you were saying before. It's connections, isn't it? Like obviously, going to the game and you, and then spoken to like Coutinho's brother and then like Coutinho's like we like we've got a relationship with him in now. Yeah, like he probably feels like part like. Yeah, she's sure. not part of the brand, but he probably feels like, oh, look, I, I helped you get that one. Uh, right? yeah, so yeah. a guy I know got in that, do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. like Even building up these personal it. relationships is always, it's it's so important to it network. Is, it? it doesn't matter what industry or what job you do, it's just networking and probably is mm-hmm. more important than, than what you think. Like Completely. Even 
there was the wee man's birthday, my young lad's birthday, and like it was a couple of years back, and he got a voice message, a video message from Phil Coutinho. Like that's price, that, like that. that is that's class, that's that. memories that. Like, Aye. And that's like, cool. if I didn't go up in the players' lounge and ask, uh-huh. like to say, "Oh, can we send you your stuff?" Then these things, like, it, like that, that shows you, doesn't it? You don't always need to know. Like if you've got a plan, or you want to do something, often people won't even take the first step because they think, right, well, I can't figure out the 10 steps I need to get there. So you don't need to know those 10 steps. You just need to know the first. But more importantly, you need to actually take it, whether it's speaking to a wholesaler or whether it's walking up to Coutinho's brother. It's just just take those steps and eventually you look and retrospectively, you're like, oh, this this blueprint this like of a successful like methodology is, is laid out for you. And then you can then you can really extrapolate upon that because you can look back and go, right, this is mm-hmm. this is how we're going to do It's like subconsciously do doing these things without actually having... We yeah. we never had, like, right, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, need to do that. Sometimes uh-huh. it's just been open because we were probably in that, like, discovery mindset of what, like, we were wanting to do something. So, like, these yeah. opportunities arise and you you probably just roll with it, whereas, like, somebody that's not, in like, closed off, to, they're not trying to do anything. They just they stumble across it and that's the end of it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like... Like you say, it's loads of wee steps that mm-hmm. produce a big, a big outcome. Yeah, uh, and and another sense what, what I said I was going to speak about um, Simon Sinek's book Start with Why. It's, for anybody that's unaware of it, Simon Sinek basically explores and explains and sort of goes into the nuances of the concept that people are. You can influence people if you go by their sort of core motivations and stuff. I want to talk about the way in which you use were advertising. So. You, it's important for you to engage with people's emotions like Mark you've said before that you want the brand to be aspirational and a direct reference to where you do photo shoots and like locations and stuff and competitors weren't really doing that you, you could probably say these were a sort of innovators in, in that sense was that a conscious realisation or was that something that you sort of thought oh wait a minute we're kind of onto something here in terms of you know doing photo shoots in Tokyo Dubai Barcelona New York Chicago Thailand seeing people you know, people seeing where the clothes are and thinking, no, I want that to be me. Yeah, yeah, I think that we did. It was probably a conscious decision. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was... Because it's, it, it's genius. Uh, it, was, it was just... It was probably before a lot of people at our level did it as well. And it was just like, we wanted to do something like, where are you going to wear these clothes? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what can separate... What can set us apart from everyone else? And it's like, well, maybe going to locations and... I think the first one was sort of Barcelona, wasn't yeah, it? We went yeah. away to Barcelona and we're like, oh, that'd be a cool place to go. Like, basically, we we, was, we, I, we was, wanted to go there. At the end of the day, that was, that's what the decision on, oh, where do you fancy going for the next photo shoot? Yeah. Oh, well, I quite fancy. I've never been to New York. Do you want to go to New York? Ah, uh, that's cool. And See, then it's like, as well, it probably comes from the fact we're doing photo shoots in Glasgow, mate, and then you're like, it's a bit dark. It's and that's, bit... Nothing, that's nothing against where we come yeah, from. We yeah. totally, <laughs> there might be somebody from Tokyo that loves Glasgow, Aye. but like when our core audience is from Glasgow, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or uh, not, maybe not Glasgow, but like the United Kingdom. Especially like, back in those days, you know I mean, it was like we were, we were doing it so to a appeal to somebody in Scotland or the UK mm-hmm. like going somewhere sunny and and totally. again it was if we're going to do a location photo shoot um, outside Scotland can be a little bit unpredictable with the weather yeah. so you're better going somewhere and we had product to shoot let's go somewhere sunny we're guaranteed sunshine mm-hmm. we'll get nice like content it's, people don't always want the product or just the product they also want what they associate with the product yeah. like you said the BH Mallorca pool party yep. is that right in it yeah, sort right. of sponsoring I mean people will probably look at it and go I could see myself wearing that there because that's how it works isn't it yeah and that's like that's exactly what we did with everything really yeah, it was an association sure. of like well i want to go ab- abroad and i want to i want to go to dubai oh, i can wear that there i want to go yeah. to miami i can do that i want to go to new york it's going to be cold in new york at christmas got nice jackets there it was just associating these things in terms of another question i've got with the way you do the trips so like your models that you've got i think they're like they're intertwined and i'd say like inextricably linked and associated with the brand like was that a, a deliberate strategy because like to take them on these trips and have them as kind of part of it it's part of the furniture i suppose of you but i think it probably uh, wasn't it was hey we probably did it but then it, it became maybe a bit too much we, we didn't want to like overly associate with any one model but mm-hmm. you do want them to you do want them to live the lifestyle a little bit that you're wanting to portray the brand yeah i mean so they, like, they, they almost become their models become your influencers uh, yeah it's like, like yeah they're fashion influencers. They're and ambassadors. Aren't styles. They? Their style is like replicated across you, social media. So uh, it's definitely something that we think about, but it's not 
but we try not maybe to overthink about it because certain models maybe would have got a completely different style than what we are trying to yeah. achieve or what maybe like our core fundamentals of like coming from football it's like it doesn't necessarily that model has never played sport like mm -hmm. there was one model we used like lad from sweden like but he was he was probably so different than me and mark mm -hmm. but like it come across on camera but he just looked he looked, he looked, he looked class side. he looked brilliant but mm -hmm. like we then went we were in tokyo and there was the rooftop uh five aside pitch in tokyo ah cool and uh we just we all because we always used to make the, the trips fun as well it wasn't yeah. just I think a lot serious. of it was like we just did stuff that me and Robbo wanted to what? do. To <laughs> so, be honest, so we, hired, <laughs> we, we hired this uh, five-a-side pitch that was uh, part of the the World Cup. Was it the World Cup? Uh, the, yeah, it was the World Cup advert. Wasn't yeah, it? for Adidas oh, on the nice. rooftop. We wow. hired it. Wow, so class, man. we went up, and the surface was murder, oh, wasn't it? It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it was like Love it's... Street back in the day, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the model Johnny came out. Who's this cool-looking guy on camera? Mate, we gave him a ball, mate. He's terrible. Terrible. He had no coordination whatsoever. So what you're seeing on camera, and then him running about. He's like Phoebe for friends. He's just like <laughs> running about, like, arms, legs everywhere. Eh? Rob, oh, well, you, you you just mentioned core fundamentals in football there, and. It's made me think of something I wanted to ask. Right, you said I think this was like, God, man, I think you said this back in twenty eighteen. You said your yeah, next game. Yeah, you, you, I know. Well, you said you said your next game could be a stinker, and that lesson never leaves you. You learn quickly as a footballer not to take anything for granted. Is the only guarantee is a boot right in the balls waiting for you around the corner. <laughs> How much of those fundamental lessons impacted the way you go about your business in general? Does do you ever think right? Hold on, don't get too ahead of yourself. We probably, we probably, we probably, it's more about pushing forward than like worry. Do you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. you know it's coming, so you just like push forward, push forward all the time. And I then think, I think some people look at us and like, they're never happy. Eh? Like, what, yeah. what, like, we always want to achieve more from what we're yeah. at. So even if like someday, like our finance department come up, by the way, yesterday, great day sales. So it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark, we never go like too high or too low. Mm -hmm. It's literally just Incremental like... Incremental improvements. We, we're just the same all the time. So people are like... Oh, do, that you know, that like, was probably a life lesson I got for Hamilton. Like my mm -hmm. George Fairley, I had gone to Hamilton from like junior football and I was probably struggling a wee bit. Then I came off the bench against St. Johnson, took a mazy, scored... Great goalie, celebrating, buzzing, and then ninetieth minute, I gave the ball away on the edge of the box. Uh -huh. They've they've scored, and I've gone in the change room, pure from right up there to right it's up unbelievable there. Unbelievable how and football does that. I to was you, but gutted, just sitting in the change room, and George Fairley comes up to me and he's like, "There's only one lesson you learn for this. Like, don't don't let it get to you. He's like, you never get too high, and you never get too low. Just mm -hmm. like make sure you're uh -huh. on a level." You know what I mean? People can see that as being pessimistic, but I think it's a it's a it's a good thing. It's like remember the highs. The, the medium sort of middle ground is the most continuous and the highs will come. And when you're on a mad high, don't think it's going to last forever. It's not saying don't enjoy it, don't savour it, but it's like, don't think it. But equally, if you're, you know, if you're at rock bottom, it's not going to last forever. You're going to, you will sort of come back up. But I think that's a, a, a clever way to but sort of But one thing it. that goes along with that when you do hit that low point is there's only one way to go that and that's working hard on yeah. what, you're, what you're doing. Well, you, Mark, you've said before as well, your your dad was the only one who says you underachieved um, <laughs> at football, <laughs> which is which is a bit harsh, but I suppose that's dad's view. Uh, yeah. How how does he, you know, how do he and your family view sort of business achievements? Because it is it's it's uh, impressive. Yeah. I think he said he's proud of me once or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> Robbo's laughing because he knows him, old man. Uh, but nah, he, I think obviously. I think he was quite worried about me after coming out of football. Yeah. I think my family were. I think you know I, mean? I think everybody's parents when they're 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 if it's a only child or little eldest child, whatever, it's like when they they've just done that one thing all their life and it's like you said earlier, if yeah. it was a lawyer and them saying like, Oh, at thirty two you need to retire and get a new trade, it's like <laughs> literally like that must cross their mind yeah. as much as mm -hmm. it's like my, they my worry son, about you, don't they? My yeah. son's fourteen now, so it's like like he's going to need to find something to do when he leaves school. He can't stay at school all his life, yeah. so he's actually going to have to make a choice of what he's going to do. So he's probably at the same stage as football footballers were. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's Aye. like well, you need to go and do something. Yeah, a sort of crossroads. Yeah, mm -hmm. and not many people have to go through that period. Do you know what I mean? Or if a parent, they probably only have to go through it once when they leave school. And yeah. They don't have to go through <laughs> it again. <laughs> Aye, true. Do you know what I mean? They go right. Oh, what's my? And then they get into a career and like right, okay. I, 
I'm never going to stop worrying, but they've got a path. Whereas, like, I think my dad was a bit worried that, like, well, I've gone through football and then I had an injury, which probably made my decision up about, like, giving up football. But mm. I think he was just like, what are you going to do? And, like, and he never obviously said that to me. He said it to me since, obviously, being Spad took off. And he's obviously says, oh, mm. I think what you and Rob have both done is amazing. But he's like, there was a period I was worried about you. I didn't mm. know which way it was going to go. It's just natural, isn't it? Like, I, you only understand these things either in retrospect or once you experience it yourself. Like, because when I look back with my family as well, they have always been really supportive. Like, my mum was always very much, I can, you can do anything, you can, and great. But also at times she'd be like, just get a job in an office and that, and I'd be like, fuck's sake, why are you pure pigeonholing me and something? But it's like, they just want you to be secure, don't they? Of course. I think they don't I, want to worry about I think it's, secure, aye, it's been secure more aye, than aye, I, I mean, I totally, to be get, then I'd be like, fucking hell, like, piss off, man. <laughs> but you get older and you're like, I, I, of course I completely yeah. understand. Um, we talked about your, your dad saying what you've achieved, that is incredible. Now, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the rapid growth and, and the scale of it. So as of, I mean, these are probably been updated now because we're recording this in December 2021. But as of June 2020, 60% of your business is UK-based and 40% is about international sales. How how does that happen? Is that an organic growth just for online custom? Because when you actually think about it, to be selling that many items to places like America, Spain, Germany, how the fuck did, how does that happen? We've it was got, probably... An, uh, we probably got to a, a point when the UK we were just smashing it, eh? We were just like smashing thing. stuff out all the t all over the stock shop and Christmas and uh, and and New Year, like so Christmas and January sales was just mental. Black Friday was crazy, and then it's like, what what can we do to add to it? And then we came across a, a company like Globally, and they were talking like because the, the initial problem for us was like. Well, what happens if a customer wants to play in Euros? What happens if they want to play that one? Like, mm. Do you know what I mean? And that, that was an issue we had. Yeah, so you'd had a, someone from Germany, but they were still paying in pounds at the yeah. time. Yeah, so yeah. So that, that was causing like a barrier. It's like, well, Can how, you much, scale that, how, much, yeah. how much is that pound? Like, not like some people, they'll quickly go on and do a conversion, but it's a barrier. It's putting yeah, a barrier. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we try to take down these barriers. Uh -huh. So it's like, yeah. like Mark was saying. Streamlining it. Yeah. Spoke to this company globally who brought this proposition of... Um, cross-channel selling so we just thought we'd kind of give it a go didn't we yeah yeah and and to be fair to them it was really good to help us scale to initially so we just kind of you basically went on our website kind of attached to our website and if somebody went on from that country it just it, like the the website was the same but when they got to the checkout it would just um put it into the local currency and local language and and initially it just worked it worked brilliant but then but then there became issues of like, well, we want to change the language. You can't mm -hmm. do that. There was yeah. shipping. There was just a little issues. So then we obviously had to change it. But just to start with, the UK was growing amazingly. And then we just thought, well, we don't want to be pigeonholed as a, like a certain brand and then, and then die off. We want to evolve all mm -hmm. the time. So let's try and evolve in other countries as well. Mm -hmm. If he's ever need Sunday speaking Spanish, you know where to look. You've oh, <laughs> um, had pop-up shops in the past. Uh, the shop was it was the Princess Square shop was that a pop-up or was that a permanent location it, it was a pop-up shop that we'd um intent well we'd, we discussed about a shop probably from the early early stages of being well, we had we had a pop-up shop in the, the warehouse yeah we actually did a pop-up shop the Canvas year before Lang, in Canvas Line just in our warehouse mm -hmm. it was just like it was, it was just an off an off the cuff like let's just make a shop we've got it was at yeah. Christmas wasn't it yeah. we literally just like and we yeah. put a wee bit of marking out there says do you mm -hmm. want to come down to our warehouse and the the product you're seeing online do you want to like touch uh, it try yeah, it on yeah. see what it's like and it was mad it was mad, mad. People it was came, mad it was like mental a, would you ever venture back into that like a long term Again, store something we've been discussing to be mm -hmm. honest it'd be nice to have it, obviously there's a lot of things about the high street now but it would be nice to have like a touch point like a like a something that was like a showcase of your brand like a flagship store yeah. we talked mm -hmm. about i think you get a certain amount of accountability credibility with with a store totally so it's literally like that customer who it's he's not a, a be inspired customer but he's potentially like a north face customer or a, yeah. a nike customer or a a JD Sports customer. It would never buy on, like, it, it just goes in the town. Do you know what I, mean? I, need, I need to try it on. What's it like? And then That's, I'm they, like that. When they get the product and they feel it and they're like, wow, this is way better than what I thought it was going to be. Totally. Like, we, we're maybe missing that and trying to get that point. I was in a meeting this morning and we've brought out different price points now in our, 
in our catalogue mm-hmm. and like our footwear we've got like a 115 pound pair of trainers mm-hmm. and i think to like a repeat customers like oh they were normally 80 80 mm-hmm. quid and you've brought these ones out 115 and the guy in our office went, said this morning it's hard to get that point across but i see them on your your feet and it's and like i can see them they they're pro leather they look yeah. like how do i how do we get that point across and i guess that's having I think, a store I think is that with probably a store as well it depending on you you have to be careful where you put the store we i think we put our store a pop-up store in a place that maybe didn't fit the brand so yeah um if you look at say you were like you could put it in a place that was sat next to JD, do you know what I mean? And then in Foot Locker, yeah. or you could put it next to End Cloven and Cruise. And it's like, you really have, need to position yourself. But once you've done that, you're probably associated with that brand. And that gives you credibility straight away, totally. do you know what I mean? Because I think like, that's so true. Like I, I'm somebody that buys clothes three, four times a week. And 99% of the time, I want to touch them. Or I'll get something and I'll go, right, I like this. So then I'll have it in other colours or similar styles. Um, it sounds like most men. I think you want to touch it. The train, by the way, I, I can't believe it's taken me this long to say, but if you want to go and have a look to you who's listening, go to www.b that's bwe beinspiredclothing.com and you'll see it for yourself. I mean, your jackets, I've worn a few of your jackets, great quality. I've seen the trainers also great as well. So I think a shop, a shop would be good because like this, the whole sort of shopping experience in general has been denigrated of late, hasn't it? And it's obviously impacted by COVID and online shopping. But I, I think as we are saying, the the appeal of uh, shopping will never die. In fact, if he's a thinker somewhere, yesterday there was an announcement made that Silverburn has been acquired by an investment firm called Henderson Park. One hundred and forty million pound they paid for it. Now, an investment firm with what a thousand levels of due diligence. They're not investing in in a. A shopping centre in Pollock, if it's not economically prosperous, if it's not projecting healthy footfall yeah, sure. and profit margins. So I think these shopping centres, because the the parking's so accessible, yeah, it's on the motorways. It's like it's almost like an easy go to for yeah. someone, somebody from Newton Merns or totally. uh, Kenan Park area or or Govan. It's, right, it's I'm easy. I'm going to go into town and yeah. get into town park. Yeah, get out of town. Do you know what I mean? It's I love I love going to Silverburn. I'm, when I'm there, I'm like sort of lamenting it and being like, ah, I wish there was more stores. I wish mm-hmm. there was a recent Silverburn. Yeah, okay. Like then, or like if there's just, aye, I think yeah, some and, some of the shops like they could be like you say, limited with options. Is like if somebody was to put like an actual Nike store yeah, or a Adidas store, all the same shops like, in uh, it, didn't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like they're all under the same contracts. Yeah. It's like well, yeah. you open that shopping centre outside the city you've got to have this 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 stores you know you mm-hmm. can probably name them yourself river island yeah uh, jd sports foot asylum zara yeah, yeah. Uh, used to be debnams on it? it you rob you mentioned there about sort of staff and team commenting on things and stuff so we'll talk about staff and teamwork oh, this is so predictable and cliched you used to be on a football team right so see teamwork <laughs> is it pure important but it's unquestionably it is important do you find it easier to manage people because you've you've got that experience of if you know some people need a bit up there some people need that arm in the shoulder you know everybody's motivated in different ways or people are sort of inspired in different ways i think that's maybe somewhere me and rob will struggle a little really eh? i i think mm-hmm. we probably lead by example more like i wasn't the allowed person in the mm-hmm. children but i worked i worked my balls off in the game i was like exactly that. the same to stephen gerrard's of the office like <sighs> just lead by example I, well I, I wouldn't go as far as saying <laughs> but um nah just like we probably we did everything so like see at black friday we'd be in the warehouse packing the orders like we'd be we'd be helping print it well we did all those things we printed the orders in the initial days do you mm-hmm. know what i mean people came in and and me and robo's enthusiasm and infection for the brand like 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 rubbed off on everyone else mm-hmm. um, whereas now we've got a bigger team we there comes probably, a, there comes probably a stage find that more difficult we had, there comes a, st- a point when we had to detach ourselves from the the day to day running of the company to, to get anywhere to get the, the designing done the marketing mm-hmm. help with it like these are all jobs that need done on a daily basis so it's like there was only so many hours in the day. I found myself going home at like 10 o'clock at night. My brain's fried and sleeping for four hours. It was probably a period of 2017. Then, like, aye, just, I, we were going at the office at 8 in the morning and leaving at 11 at and, night. And that's not, that wasn't sustainable and for And your me, personal man. life suffers as well because like, yeah. you want to spend time with your family or whatever. Totally. And just like It just gets to the stage where I was like, oh, I'm on my phone all the time. I'm like doing this email. I'm packing this order. I'm designing this mm-hmm. one. I'm making sure this shit... Yeah shipments coming in whereas like we have people in place to deal with them now so we literally deal with five managers across the business yeah 
it's just so, the importance of delegation yeah, it, but yeah. I suppose you, you just learn that through trial and error as you go see I'm quite interested in that because I think he's displayed a lot of like ingenuity and adaptability like you didn't have all of the skills and expertise required but you find a way to bring somebody in that does it like for example in the early days when you were going to designers and going we'll give you x amount of t-shirts and you can sell them and make your profit back like you know that kind of thing i just was, finding well, that was, ways that was one of the initial the initial ideas that like it didn't end up falling through to be fair through but it was that an way. idea of it how was, we can get how, uh, how can we start like, it's like there's always a way mm-hmm. yeah, we, yeah. Well, that we doesn't have to be a roadblock yeah yeah and that like looking back it's one thing that we've Maybe from the outside looking in, like, oh, he's a, he's a completely smashed it. But there's definitely things we could have done over the last five years to make it even better. Mm-hmm. And like, that's our plan now is to make see these next five years is to make it even better. Yeah, right? and like you need to bring people in that improve your team as well. Like Drew coming in was a the, the guy that does the marketing director. He was a massive, a massive like kick on for the business. Just yeah. he's got the same enthusiasm for it as ourselves, and he's, he's a fair bit younger than self-taught, us. Self taught. Do you like, know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. He, he, he learned to code himself didn't go to university nice. he does all our marketing he's learned it all himself do you know what I mean so he was a massive massive sort of person coming in and another another members of staff have come in have been brilliant as well so it's like I do ag- agree that sometimes well we both know we don't have all the answers but it's been yeah. open to learning from people that do creating a network of, a close yeah. network of people yep. Um, you mentioned Mark about are you both you've been talking about constantly evolving and and how can we move into different spheres you start with t-shirts you kind of move into making jackets shoes tracksuits or these kind of things uh you were talking mark last year about castori's contract to supply rangers with our kit and how you'd love to do something similar do you ever see yourselves going into that segment i mean straight off the bat aloha no they're fucked they're the wasps brentford they're called the bees aren't they? <laughs> we actually yeah, said yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. I, I, to be honest it's something I, I would like probably like to do because we came for that but Aye. it's not something that's on the immediate it's not on your immediate agenda I think obviously what they've done has been been brilliant for them do you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I think that probably takes quite a bit of upfront capital I think they're backed by a few people that have, have had that money I think, I think when it comes down a lot of time it's it's me and Mark we've backed this the whole way we've never taken investment on <laughs> well, what we're doing you look at aye, you look at that story and a lot what? Why is Gary Neville all of a sudden wearing this gear and punting it? And you're like, because he's got a stake in it. You're like, why is Steven Gerrard? Or why is it in Fraser's? Uh, I'm pretty pissed off. That, and, and no harm to the guys, but I'm an irritated. Well, not irritated because I don't need to buy it. But see, when they've done a collaboration with Reese, and I'm like, you're, you're cheapening that brand. You're really cheap. It's interesting, eh, that people say, like, because they've literally went from zero to a hundred like because you get mike ashley's involved of course yeah that's pretty obvious obvious, i feel as though they are i feel as though they're what they're doing is probably sort of working for them though because i I feel as though my opinion towards them has changed when i first seen it i was like oh what the fuck but like Mm. now i'm like do you know what fair play again the open they've got a, a shop presence in different they've got one in Chelsea in London remember we've done yeah, a photo shoot down yeah. in London we walked past it they've now got one in Glasgow perception like, as well gets, yeah. exactly they're, it's they're accountability not just, they're not just sponsoring like, like ah, Rangers right, okay. do you know what I mean they're sponsoring Wolves, like, Wolves as well Newcastle do you know what I mean and, uh, see to be fair they've you talk about a lot of things and putting yourself in the right place, but I do think they've got like lucky. Do you know what I mean? They they did yeah. a great business decision to do Rangers and and whether you whatever side of the divide you sit on, I think the fact that they took Rangers and then they won the league. See for a business for them, mm-hmm. that's brilliant because yeah, they've been a, associated with a successful Aye. team. But then Newcastle, they become Newcastle sponsors and they get bought by like some stuff. They're going to be a superpower soon. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, but the, it makes me then wonder how much control have they relinquished because we a massive injection of capital obviously has to be a transfer of percentage yeah. of ownership and stuff and it's like i don't know it seems to me that you two would value far more having complete creative control and it's it's yours you know isn't it because people like mike ashley and that are ruthless yeah and they they don't care who you're and for how many million i think first of all for how many million would you give up something that you've created to completely lose it and also, how much money do you actually retain in terms of profits? But I mean, that's all speculation, isn't it? I think sometimes it's it's the balance of like how much you lose, but how much you gain. Exactly. So, so if you get a good partner that comes in, like you might have to give up a little bit of control, but you gain a lot of experience. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? and, yeah. Sure. And, and, and that's not something we've obviously had people approach us in the past. And it's not something we've really had to 
to debate because they've not really had anything to, to give us. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They've you know never what I mean? come like in somebody with comes to us and says, oh, I've got a factory, a clothing factory. We can manufacture the stuff, but we need X amount of the yeah. business. Yeah, but that's a relative. We don't need that. We've got sub yeah. factories that make our uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need somebody that's maybe gone like, well, we were of investment firm and we we d- took somebody from this to this. And then that's a conversation that can start. But yeah. when, until somebody comes along with that, we've not had that. This is, this is all F spots and maybe's and hypothetical, right? But so. let's, let's just say somebody comes to you and goes, like, listen, we'll give you 250 million. Now you have to sit and think about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but how, can you imagine though, it'd be the way like, we'll give you 200 50 million but you're out it's ours you're gaining a lot of money but do you do you think you would maybe stop and go but I'm losing a lot of purpose that yeah. figure was ridiculous but I think, <laughs> I, think, I think obviously so you, yourself <laughs> see if you've got a family and that you really need to be considering like things like that do you know what I mean but I would like to I would like to have I would like to be part of a journey that see if somebody did come in initially. Yeah. I would like to be part of a journey to take the business yeah. on I, to somewhere else. Because it's, it's more than just money, isn't it's, it? Like, it's your, yeah. it's your, your baby. Even yeah, if like totally. see like going from like the flat and the gorbals to to where we are now with the business. It's like like nothing changed. Nothing's really changed us no. as people. Do you know we're still the same. Aye. Like yeah, you can go maybe like you buy something nice for yourself, or you can do something nice for your family or get mm-hmm. like a nice Christmas present for your mum and dad or whatever that may be that maybe like when you didn't have a job or I was like, yeah. like my mum, I'm skint this year. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but fun, like the thing is you're still the same. So it's like, see if you take the business away, then like, what do we do? Exactly. It's like what people say. I think I've seen the boy Stephen Bartlett said it's like a, there's a period when money stops being like the motivator. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like once totally. you're comfortable, like, once you're really comfortable and you've got enough money, you don't have to worry about anything, then like everything else, more money doesn't make you any happier. Mm. Having like a purpose makes you happy. I like him, that Stephen Bartlett guy. He's interesting, isn't he? I am. Well, I'm on the fence with him, to be fair. Do you know what? At times I'm on the fence as well. I've, the, the interviews I've watched, because I only watch his friend at Disney, know Stephen Bartlett, he's going to be on Dragon's Den. What's the company owned again? Uh, Social Chain. Social, Social Chain. Chain. Uh, and uh, he's got a podcast called Diary of a CEO. And he's, he's very measured and considered. But the, it, I only listen to the guests that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I think I then associate my appreciation for them with him. Because at times I'm like, oh, fuck up, man. Aye. See, you're talking about... Um, not like it, it's your baby and all that kind of thing. See if, like, I get that. See if somebody came to me and was like, I'll give you 10 million for the Blether brand. I would probably stop and go, Well, you know, I built this relationship with these listeners and fuck them. Like, use that money. Like, I'm away. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck every single one of you, by the way. 10, mil- 10 million pounds. Catch you. I'm away to Vegas. Aye, that's that's a thing. joke, by the way. Don't unsubscribe and stop Aye. listening. <laughs> um, You'd be involved and be inspired. You'd be I know, there, you can come, I, can you I be come. a shareholder? <laughs> you come, man. You come. We, um, you, you do work very hard and all that, but what, what are the kind of perks and stuff that you enjoy most? Because your life is in part unrecognisable for what it was before I enjoy the like the freedom like of like I don't get me wrong I work hard but like, that, like that's if, like it's no money you're after nah, and it's freedom nah, it's what the money nah, brings yeah. it's like if I wake up at 7 in the morning or I wake up at half 8 in the morning it, it, like it will not really change unless I've got an important meeting at 9 yeah. o'clock like it'll not really change my day that's if my favourite thing if I go to my bed at 11 o'clock or half 12, it doesn't make any difference yeah. to me. And I, I do enjoy that sort of sort of freedom. Mm-hmm. My, my, my priorities have probably changed the last, like, two years because I've got a wee one now, do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. obviously being able to spend time with her that I maybe wouldn't have had such a rigid structure in my life, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I can take her swimming on a Friday morning, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like you say, it's the freedom to, to make choices that you want to make. I think when your freedom is being restricted... And then when you can then directly compare that, you know, feel like I used to have to ask my boss, "Can I go to the toilet?" No, it's not. Years ago, and honestly, I used to want to absolutely wrap the nut in him because he'd be like, "No, no, the new." And I'm like, "Mate, I'm gonna like genuinely." I need to go. Like, I'm away to the toilet. Uh, why are we even having this fucking why, conversation? Why, why are you even asking? Yeah. It's okay. different if you go to the toilet five times in a row. This is like so. I was like twenty, and then I had to log out so they wouldn't pay me for the time I was in the toilet. Like you actually what? take fifty p off me. I'd be cheaper going into central and paying twenty pence. For it. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Honestly, I, um, man. even like with a business growing over time, we've things have had to change. Of like, see when we first started, somebody walked in at quarter past nine and 
we were starting work at nine. So we to, it, when they come down on them, I'd like a, like a ton of bricks. But then, see, when you start putting managers in place like, in certain departments, there then starts to become a structure. And yeah. some people can't handle it because they've maybe been there right from the beginning and yeah. other, people's em- other people embrace it. And other people who've come from a working life in, say, the bank or a call centre or something yeah. like that. This, this is amazing. This is easy. Yeah. I, I can I can be a f- at work for nine o'clock and be on time and... Like, the, the last, the I didn't need to ask yeah. to go to the toilet. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like uh-huh. the last company job I had. Well, the last two, but the last company job I had was in Barcelona. I started in 2017. It was a startup, a tech startup, and I'd never worked in one. And I was like, "This is amazing!" Like there was just no rules, but it was great. You came in, did your work, made good money, and that's another thing. Like they hadn't sussed that they were paying us far too much because they hadn't sussed out kind of how it should work. And I'm like, this is the best ever. They get bought over their investment firm. Three months later, I was like, "Catchy, I'm fucking out of here." Because <laughs> this is back. Aye, this is back to yeah, too corporate aye, for me. Aye. It's it's funny kind of how that pans out. Um, I suppose in conclusion, basically, I've got to say is like what started out as like an experimental venture into something that hadn't really been done before, much less by people in Scotland. It was going on to well reveal like an authentic purpose in life for like the two of you but it's firmly cemented you and your company as an example to everybody with ambitions and aspirations of their own that they can also achieve the incomprehensible um like you've proven no matter how impossible it might seem there's always a way and I think, I think that's something we're trying to implement over the next year and moving forward mm-hmm. is actually the brand story and like how inspirational it can be and like yeah just to try to I think like, that's the thing as well. It's like the name says be inspired and it's like it wasn't meant like that, but I think it's quite you saw nice. It in a we, we on Instagram, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Like I think it can be inspiring for people. Do you know what totally. I mean? Like even if it's from boys in football that I know what it was like and I was I feared for what was gonna happen next. But there is always something else out there. There's always something you can do. And mm-hmm. I, and I would like to think that like be looking the fact that me and Robbo have built this company to where it is. Anyone can do anything to be to be inspired to do anything. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like I said, you don't need to see the hundred steps to get you from A to Z. You just need mm-hmm. to see the first one and just mm-hmm. be brave enough to take it. And I hope that I think that's a lesson <clears throat> that people will take for it. And I hope so. Eh? I'm going to go so. and start designing some t-shirts. So I hope we'll, man- we'll be able to manufacture them. <laughs> <laughs> can I get twenty-five minimums uh, nah, now nah. for bastard? <laughs> <laughs> Mates, rates, come on, man. Well, lads, thanks very much for this oh, chat I've loved it for having us. Having us. and thank you once again for listening to Blethered and we'll be back with another episode soon cheers Blethered was written recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information go to thebiglight.com If you like this podcast please check out all our other series including Talk Media You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House Talking Derry Girls Brave Your Day The Tartan Noir Show Double Scotch Great Scott Trust Me I'm a Leader Unearthed A Sonic Hug and Old School All on the Big Light Scotland's Podcast Network From the Big Light Studio.